Show Me The Science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here and welcome to my Show Me The Science podcast. Now in the news this week, um, in the world I inhabit anyway, it was absolutely full of this story. And every time I went on to Twitter or even it was in America and it was all over the news there. And it's a really interesting story. They've managed to make a baby from two fathers. There's the opening statement. And um, of course, that seems a bit weird. And why the hell would you bother? And all these ethical things might come up as we go through this. But as a scientific exercise, it's absolutely fascinating. How could you possibly take two males and end up with a baby? Now, you needed a baby. And that's mice that we find that out with a baby mouse. It's not humans. And at the very outset, I want to make this clear. It's just in mice. And mice are very different to us humans. Uh, in fact, 80 million years of evolution separate us. We've got similar tissues and organs and lungs and all sorts but there's a big difference obviously not between mouse and humans the big question is will it be useful for humans ourselves and it could be useful for all kinds of reasons actually and the Japanese scientist who led this uh, very famous scientist indeed who's been working on fertility for a long time his name is Hayashi he's in the University of Osaka Osaka in Japan and he said his motivation was to help with infertility because what he's managed to do is manipulate X and Y chromosomes in a very clever way as I'll explain and certain types of infertility involve a damaged X chromosome, and this might actually be a way to fix the damage, I think, called Turner's syndrome. And that's one medical benefit that might come from it. But equally, having two males, having a baby or whatever, that could have all kinds of interesting prospects, because often same-sex couples want to have a child, and that might be possible in the future, which would be absolutely mind-blowing when you think about it. And, and they're heading in that direction. They're doing more stuff on human now to see if they can get this into the human situation, initially because of infertility, but who knows where this might go in the end. We'd be living in in a, in a world that would be very, very interesting, would it? If two men can have a baby. Uh, two females, possibly as well, using different technologies too. So many, many options in the future. Now, how do they manage to crack this particular conundrum? Well, we've got to start with what defines male and female biologically. Male cells have an X chromosome and a Y chromosome. These are called the sex chromosomes. Female cells have two Xs, and that's the female uh, chromosomal situation, you see. And, and it's interesting, the clue here is Males do carry an X, and that's that. That was the starting point. If, if they did, if we didn't carry an X, this would not be possible. Obviously, enough. So the fact that there's XX or XY that starts with that, they took skin cells from the tail of a male mouse. And they manipulate those cells in a way to make them into what are called stem cells. Now, stem cells are a very powerful type of cell. Uh, this is called in induced pluripotent stem cells uh, involving the Yamanaka factors, which I might have mentioned before. Actually, these are genes that can revert any cell back into an early state almost soon after the egg is fertilized. You get these stem cells. And those stem cells can turn into liver or kidney or brain as, as the body develops. And of course, they went back to these stem cells because they're trying to make an egg really ultimately here from the male from the male line you see so they made these stem cells from uh, these uh, cells in the tail of the mouse and these stem cells would have had an X and a Y as I mentioned and the next thing they did was they removed the Y so that was a clever piece of technology there was ways to do this uh, they got they got rid of the Y so now we had a male cell with one X chromosome and the next thing they did was they borrowed a second X chromosome from another cell and now that XX now, if you think about it for a minute, that's a male cell, the Y gets removed, and X goes in instead, and you've effectively made a female cell. Because remember, XX means female, biologically. So, so now we have a cell with two Xs. The next thing they did was then, right, this is the bit that gets a bit tricky, I suppose, they turned that into an egg. Now, what I mean by that is, eggs only have X 
one copy of X. Remember, sperm and egg are very different to other cells in your body. They're called haploid, which means they have one sex chromosome, not two. The adults will have two Xs, say, if it's a female. The egg only has one X. In the case of sperm, a sperm will have either an X or a Y. I hope you can follow that. Now, remember, eggs and sperm only have one of the two sex chromosomes, either X or Y. So they made this X-containing cell, and that now is like an egg, in fact. And they were able to use a drug, and the real secret sauce, is, is not a bad word for this, it's called reversine. That was a chemical discovered a good few years ago. Reversine can help manipulate chromosomes in various ways, and that managed to stabilize this situation. And without the reversine, it probably would have all fallen apart. And that was the advance. And I suspect when this paper comes out in Nature, the big journal, uh, reversine will feature as a key, key trick that they used here. But at this stage now, just to recap, they've ended up with a cell with one X chromosome, and that cell was like an egg cell to all intents and purposes. And now they're ready to go. And remember, it all began with a male cell. Next, they just fertilized that egg cell with a sperm. And now they had a fertilized egg. They put that fertilized egg, interestingly as well, not, not, now the next, the ultimate move is to put it into a surrogate mother, of course, to allow the, the egg to develop, the fertilized egg to develop, as, as we do with humans. They did, initially though, they put it into a thing called an ovary organoid. Now again, that's a funny, funny phrase. You can grow ovaries outside the body in what are called organoids. And these ovaries are easier to manipulate and study. So that was the next step. They, they stuck the fertilized egg into this sort of ovary in a dish, if you will, the organoid ovary. It developed a bit and now they implant that into the surrogate. And then the fetus grows. Now, they're watching this very closely, of course. And I, I read about um, the lab was waiting for the results because everything, anything can go wrong. You know, they can, obviously things can go wrong. You don't anticipate. And to their delight, it, it growed. Into a develop, developed all the way into a mouse and in the end the mouse gets born and now that mouse is viable and normal and not only that but that mouse went on to have baby mice as well so that was another important part in the process so they cracked it basically now remember the experiment if you take that mouse that's just been born it has two male fathers that's what this is all about because they could take skin set they could take the skin cell from one father uh, get rid of the get rid of the y chromosome and now it's an X, and eventually turned it into an egg, and now you can fertilize that with a sperm, and hey presto, you have a, a, a brand new fertilized egg. So, so several steps were needed, and that's what makes us a bit of a tour de force scientifically. Now there's a few things um, they noticed along the way that was interesting, I think, as well, to look at this. It took a bit, it, the, the egg, once you fertilize the egg, it takes a bit of time to develop. Secondly, to make the egg from the male cell, that took a bit of time as well, just in the lab. We often do time courses to optimize these things. When they tried this in humans, not directly in humans, but they know about humans, it takes a lot longer for everything to settle down during this process. Now, what? But that wouldn't, this is in IVF, you see, because they know how to manipulate sperm and egg and study it, you know? Now, that, that creates a worry for the human, because if it's sitting there for quite a while, you might get mutations in the DNA. And because time is important for mutation, there's a risk of it having mutations that could be harmful. And that's one measure human difference and they will look at that in the human now and try to see if they can speed it up maybe measure mutation would be a useful thing I suppose so that's one question mark at the moment the timings are slightly different humans versus mice in terms of allowing this process now, now they, they don't go anywhere near this in humans in terms of trying to create you know a fertilized egg by any means it's just the in vitro bit they know there are differences and that's one question that's come up and then the other thing to say is it was very inefficient anyway so even though they cracked it 
using the various technologies I mentioned. They ended up at 600 embryos, which is a good number, I guess. And they tried to impl they implanted them all. Only seven actually made it. So that was a concern because there must have been damage in the other ones and they couldn't really survive. Um, now, in the normal course of events, if you do this normally with a sperm and an egg in vitro and make an embryo, you get five, five times higher success rate. Which just shows you actually how even with IVF, there's a lot, a lot of um, non-viable embryos anyway. But this method was a lot less effective, really. So five times less effective than the regular IVF if you just take an egg and a sperm and fertilize them normally. And of course, they'd like to know why that is. Uh, are we sure that the seven that survive haven't got mutations or differences? Now, so far, as I say, the offspring mice have been studied very, very closely. And those offspring are very normal, you know, and they're able to have babies themselves offspring themselves that suggests the whole developmental process is normal so it looks as if it's worked in a safe way if you get to that point you know and that, that was a thumbs up obviously for the overall technology but the, the breakthrough here is the clever manipulation of male cells taking out the y chromosome putting in another x double x now effectively a female cell and then turning that into an egg and that's what they were able to do it seems unlikely but that's what they were able to achieve and then they could fertilize that egg with sperm and then hey presto it all it all seemed to work so as i say a striking uh, example of first of all uh, research into, into fertilization and development which is a very important part of medicine remember because there's a high rate of infertility and couples want to have babies and can't and, and we'd love to know why that is and can you correct it in this case turner syndrome that's the one that specifically they're talking about here can they use these findings to stabilize x chromosomes basically now in eggs and that would allow a woman who, who sadly has turner's potentially to have a baby which would be tremendous and that, that's the immediate impact of this now of course what's happened as well is um societally the question is what what, what sort of society will we have if two males can have a baby and that gets discussed a bit ethically of course but but remember this this is just a scientific observation in mice but of course scientists have to be cognizant of the wider societal issues here and now is the time to begin debating it to see what what sort of world and, and, and what will happen in the future if this is possible and as i say same-sex couples want to have babies so it could be hugely beneficial in that regard now the, the, the hayashi himself at the press conference was pressed on this because obviously it's biologically interesting but there's all, all, these, all these other consequences as well and he said look he says we don't know because we're a long way off humans he said and when, when they pressed him on it he said probably 10 years away so that mind you 10 years can go by very quickly but the fact that this has been achieved in mice and mice are mammals just like us and have eggs and sperm just like us it surely will be possible to achieve this in males eventually and now as i say with the usual caveats of things going wrong as you go along the way but we'll see what happens in the next few years and his lab obviously is very focused on this this lab had a famous breakthrough a few years ago actually which disturbed many men uh, what they did was they took a skin cell from a male skin cell and they could turn that skin cell into a sperm and that sperm was used to fertilize an egg. So that meant there was no need for a man to produce sperm, no need for sex at all. You know, just, and, and I wrote about this in one of my books. I said, if a woman wants to have a child, just scrape a bit of skin off a man. And you could turn that skin into a sperm, do IVF, implant, and hey, presto, you have a baby. You know, and again, what kind of world would that be? But still, this is a really uh, interesting finding anyway. They can just start with a skin cell to make a sperm cell. This study is quite similar in a way because he's taken a skin cell and made an egg out of it. So if I was to parallel the two studies, you can start with skin cells from a man, make an egg, which you can then fertilize, or make a sperm, 
which you can use to fertilize a regular egg. Or who knows, the man might fertilize himself. How about that if you make a sperm and an egg from his skin and fertilize them? Quite how that would work out. But uh, that's something else that's in the realms of science fiction in many ways. But it's a striking thing that these sorts of experiments are being done. And again, on the ethics of it, uh, should, should you stop doing these experiments? Because we don't know the societal impact of them. The ethical need here has to be to help people who are infertile. That's a really positive uh, sort of outcome from this. And secondly, same-sex couples having babies. That's another goal, I guess, down the line. And we'll see if these things ever come to pass. So a lot of science has happened, remember? A lot of deep understanding of fertilization, X and Y chromosomes, how the whole business works, has resulted in what seems like a very strange finding, but it could have consequences in all kinds of ways. And of course, some of these consequences we can't even imagine down the line. Like imagine in 10, 15, 20 years' time, this is a reality. What's, what, what will that mean for us, I suppose? So now is the time to discuss the ethics and the consequences of these studies. But there you have it, the science of having two babies from, or sorry, having, the science of having a baby from two fathers. A strange topic, but I hope you enjoyed it. And again, superb science is behind this. Now, thanks for listening. My podcast is available every Thursday for downloading wherever you get your podcasts. And it's a News Talk production. Thanks for listening.